0: Good morning. Happy Sabbath. It's good that you're here, wherever you are. You're not here. You're there. But it's good that we can be there. Because no matter what, the kingdom of God doesn't really exist within walls. So I know this has been a long run. You know, it's been almost 50 weeks since we've been able to gather together in this room. It's hard to believe. But we also know this. This will not be the end. And as we rearrange our values, our priorities, and as we come out of this seeming oppression, we also know that the worship that we have, when it's all said and done, will be sweet and beautiful. So we hold on to that hope and we get ready for that day. But today, we're in week seven of our rearranged series. This is our last week. And just so you know, we've got Patty McCoy from our Portland campus preaching next week for our campus day, which we're really excited about. And then we move on to a series called Christian? Question Mark. It'll be a 12-week series, which I know is a long one. The series guides are almost done. But what I'm really excited about this particular next series is that we will be taking a look at the very basic tenets of Christianity, why they're important, and how we can go back to them if we have strayed, if we have allowed other things in the world and in our lives to take us away from that true name, Christian. Because as you know, in the last 2,000 years, many people have called themselves Christians, and many things have called themselves Christian movements, but have not necessarily been the things that honor God. We want to make sure we get back to that in this important point. But that's for next week and that's for the week afterwards. This week we're talking about Exodus 35 through 41. And I hope that you've read it. If you haven't, that's okay. We're not obviously going to go through all of it, but this text shows us that as Israel rearranged their lives, they made the presence of God the center of all civil, religious, and business life. The temple, the tabernacle was everything. And this takes us to the end of the story in the book of Exodus, which is really not the end as we know, but it does show us something. It shows us the importance of the presence of God. These texts tell the story of building the tabernacle. And again, just like last week, it is very detailed, but it's not about what's going to happen. It's about what's happening and how they're following the directions of God. But it also, and this is really important, it tells a story of hearts being moved. This is a refrain we will hear again and again, and it speaks to God's ask of Israel, not God's command. Although there is the word command, it really is about a request. It begins like this in Exodus 35, 4. It says, Then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, This is what the Lord has commanded. Of course, it's a command command from God, but it's still a request, just like those Ten Commandments that we talked about. They are a commandment. They are directives from God, but he does not coerce us to do those things. So this is the command. It says, take sacred, take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord, gold, silver, and bronze. But let's stop for a moment and talk about what a generous heart really is. Because, because not everyone has a gen- generous heart. We can say it that way. And then some of us have maybe overly generous hearts. But what is a generous heart? First of all, a generous heart doesn't hold on to stuff. Stuff becomes a thing that defines our lives. I mean, it understands, the generous heart understands the necessity of stuff, but also knows that stuff is only stuff. It comes and it goes. And it does not make us who we are. For fun exercise, this is what you should do this afternoon. Go into those drawers that you haven't gone into in like a year and see if there's anything in there that you need, that you can't live without, that actually is is something that defines you. Because I got to tell you, My father died a few years ago. We're cleaning out my mother's house right now. And those things that meant so much to everyone all throughout the time, once you're gone, they've got to go too. Your stuff has to go too. And it doesn't go with you. A generous heart doesn't hold on to stuff. That's why it can be generous. And a generous heart loves to experience the joy of giving. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. And I mean really experienced that. Not give somebody just a a gift card to Starbucks when they do something. Be overwhelmingly generous at a time when someone needs it. Or even at a time when they don't expect it. And to see the joy on their faces, man, that's something that's particular that we get to experience. And if you've never had the experience of giving overwhelmingly and giving joyously and generously, man, it's time to do it. But first and foremost, the most important thing is that a generous heart sees others first. And maybe this is obvious, right? But it realizes, a generous heart realizes that this, what I have is not about me. What I have is what I can do to others or for the kingdom of God or whatever. Let me tell you a story. Last year, COVID hit. I don't know if you heard. Um, We had to stop meeting. 50 weeks ago, we had to stop meeting. And for all intents and purposes, everyone thought, first of all, this might be the end of churches in general. And B, we certainly Thought, we don't know how we're going to do this. Now, God has been gracious, and you guys have been gracious over the last five years. And so we had some reserves, but we figured we were going to blow through all those, and there would just be nothing left. And maybe we would make it through the year without having to fire anybody. Maybe we'd make it through the year without, you know, shutting down. But then comes the last two weeks in December. And as we rolled into December, truth was, I wasn't sure we were going to make it. And I was like, okay, we're going to take the hit, we'll have to do what we do, make these decisions. And then you showed up with your generous hearts, your open wallets, your desire to serve financially the crosswalk movement and the kingdom of God through it. And so we were able to end our year way ahead of not only where we thought we would be, but what we had budgeted before COVID even happened. So when I talk about generous hearts, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the way that you have graciously and gracefully given not just to the church, but to others in your life as well. Don't ever stop doing that. It's important. And, and this command comes from God through Moses. And well, here's what happened. Exodus thirty-five twenty. So the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. So after this list of things, and there's a longer list. I didn't read them all. There's this long list of things they could bring, acacia wood and, and purple robes and all these different things. They returned to their tents. And then it says this in the very next verse. All those, all whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought sacred offerings to the Lord. They brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of its rituals, and for the sacred garments. So this begs the question, right? They all who were moved. Now that's the important part. All who were moved went back to their tents. And if they were moved, they came back with the articles that they needed to build the tabernacle. Now, this begs another question, which is, were there some who were not moved? Probably the answer is yes. Because we know this, not every sermon moves every heart. Not every request gets a response that is hoped for. In fact, in church, we have what's called the 80-20 rule. If 20% of the people respond to what you request— it's, it's wildly successful. You know what's fascinating? Crosswalk's always been better. I mean, we haven't been 100%. I, I don't think there's an organization that exists like that, but we've always been better, and again, because of you. It's your commitment to God's work, just like the ancient Israelites' commitment to the work of the tabernacle because they knew that they wanted something. Not, not. This was a transaction. It wasn't that they wanted something that they could get by giving. What they wanted was the presence of God, and the presence of God required certain things, and so they were willing to do those things. You know what we call that? We call that obedience, a often misunderstood word, and I'm not going to spend time on it. But don't be afraid of obedience to God, because that is not a burden. That is a yoke that we carry that strengthens us. It's not a burden to be obedient to God. And so there were those in Israel that were moved by the words of Moses. They went back to their tents and they brought all the things that were needed. Both men and women came, it said, all whose hearts were willing. Again, hearts were moved, hearts were willing. You see what's happening here? This is not coercement. God is not coercing people. He is asking them, and out of the goodness of their hearts, out of the goodness of the generosity of their hearts, what they are doing is they're bringing these things to the tabernacle. They brought to the Lord offerings of gold, brooches, earrings, rings rings from their fingers and necklaces. They presented gold objects of every kind as a special offering to the Lord. This doesn't happen very often, but I got a great story about this. When Sarah's parents became Christians, Sarah's my wife, by the way, if you don't know. Been married for 25 years. She's an amazing woman. I love her to death. I'm not saying that um, as like to gloss over it. I'm saying that as true. I'm a very blessed man. Anyway, her parents, when they became Christians, decided that they needed to get out of the scene they were living in in San Diego, and so they moved to Hawaii. And one day, and they were kind of just working in the fields as they could, sleeping on the beach, like they were, I is the 60s, you know, part of the Jesus movement. And They got picked up by this gentleman, as I know the story, so if they're watching, I apologize, but as I have understood the story, they got picked up by a gentleman who, you know, said, are you guys hungry? And they said, yes. And he said, well, great. We are going to this place where you can get food. It's a church, so you're going to have to sit through a church service. And they were like, great, we're Christians. And they were new Christians. So they got in the car with this gentleman and they drove to the church and they were in church and they were moved, their hearts were moved by God through the sermon. And you know what they did? As the offering plates rolled by, they had nothing to give. They took their wedding rings off and they put them into the offering plate. It takes a lot of commitment to do that, to take the rings off of your fingers, the things that you find valuable, the things that probably help define you because they add to your wealth. It takes a lot to give that away. But all those hearts were willing to get rid of those things that are even important to them in order to continue the work of God. All those who owned the following items, it says, willingly brought them blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat hair for cloth, and tanned ramskins and fine goatskins leather, goatskin leather. And all who had silver, we continue, all who had silver and bronze objects gave them as a sacred offering to the Lord. And those who had acacia wood brought it for use in the project. All the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning, prepared blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen and cloth. All the women who were willing used their skills to spin goat hair into yarn. I don't even know if any of us could do that anymore if we needed goat hair. We don't. The church doesn't need goat hair today. The leaders brought onyx stones and special gemstones to be set in the ephod and in the priest's chess piece according to instructions. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and the anointing oil and the fragrant incense. This is all the things that keep the tabernacle running. So the people of Israel, every man and woman who was... Do you notice that there's a qualifier in each of those? With a willing heart, with a generous heart. Who was willing? Who was moved? Every man and woman who was eager to help brought their gifts and gave them freely to the Lord. They gave them freely. They were not coerced to give, but they were moved to give. Because we know this, where you invest says a lot about your priorities. We know this to be true. And as we rearrange our lives, we have to begin to think about our stuff and what we give to others, and what we give to God's work. Now, I want to be very clear on something here. This is not a sermon on giving. And I know it sounds like one. So, you know, if you've taken your wallet out and you're ready to give, (laughs) that's not the pitch, right? I mean, thank you, but that's not the pitch. It's a sermon about rearranging your values. It's about giving. It's about living. It's about leading. It's about even following and how that speaks of what our values and our priorities are. It is a sermon on what we prioritize in our lives. And of course, what we do with our finances says a great deal about who we are and what we believe in and what we wanna see happen and who our allegiance is to. You know, we did a series a while ago called The New Normal, right? I think it was like August of last year. And we thought certainly we'd be coming out of COVID. We're still in the midst of it. But as you come out of COVID, out of our COVID oppression, we could say, what changes will you make in your life? Do you just want to get back to the way it was before, or have your allegiances changed a little bit? Do you have a renewed focus on the presence of God? And do you have a renewed focus on the presence of God in your personal life as opposed to just the community as it comes together since we haven't been able to come together? Now, this is interesting. Sociologically, are you beginning to change the way you feel about having to be together with people in order to sense the presence of God? Yes, it says we're two or three are gathered, but it doesn't say we're two or three hundred or two or three thousand, even though that is powerful in the palpable presence of God. However, have you rediscovered what it means for you to be in the presence of one God? Because if you have, then COVID's been good for you. That's not to say we don't want to get back together. That's not to say we don't want to re-engage our worshiping community. But man, if you can sense the presence of God in the tabernacle of who you are, as we said last week, you've got a church that never goes away. You've got a church that is never without the presence of God. You've got a home that is filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got a relationship that is moving closer and closer to what God wants. You've got children that are being born and bred in the church that God is setting up inside of you? Is this the moment where you want to get your values and your priorities back to what God wants them to be in your life? See, because in the example of the tabernacle in these chapters and these verses, it means that our faith becomes the organizing principle in our life. And you know what? Everyone gets certain moments to decide what their life will be. And this, I believe, is one of those moments. Now, you don't don't step into a moment thinking that everything was worthless before. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that we're coming to a point where you get to decide a life after what we've been living. And we don't get a lot of that in our lives. Maybe when we graduate from high school or college, maybe graduate school, maybe even not. Maybe when we decide who we're going to be with for hopefully the rest of our lives. But by and large, we don't get moments daily to, to reconfigure, to rearrange how we want our values and our, and our principles re-expressed in the world. We get to do that now because a lot is up for grabs. We were meeting with our board just last night. It's Wednesday when I record this. On Tuesday, we were meeting with our leadership team. That's what we call our board. And I got to tell you, one of the questions that they said, we want to spend some time thinking about the things that we need to leave behind in the old world and not bring into the new reality when we become a worshiping community again. What are the things we don't want to take? Because some of that was burdensome. But what do we want to take that is a joy to carry into this new reality. What do we need to rearrange in the way that we do ministry here at the church to change the way things are? Now, you may say, "Hey, no, it's great." And I appreciate that. But of course, we can improve. Of course, we can rearrange. Of course, we can be make sure. We can make sure that the tabernacles that come into this tabernacle are lifted up throughout the whole week are growing deeper connections with one another than they ever have before, are growing in the grace of God and are not waiting for the instruction of the spiritual leaders to tell you what to do, but are so filled with the Holy Spirit, you are moving ahead. I want to be a pastor who has to call people back, not call people forward. And just so you know, I won't call you back because I'll be so excited about what the Holy Spirit is doing through you and through the tabernacle that God has created in you. But you know what? Sometimes it costs. Sometimes it costs the rings on your fingers, the brooches, brooches on your lapels. Sometimes it costs fine linen and goat hair yarn, whatever that is. Sometimes it costs the expensive things in your life to make sure that the presence of God is pure in your life. Because you know what? Sometimes those things are distractions. They're not benefits. Our stuff too often controls ourselves. Let's make sure it's the other way around. And the way that you make sure your priority's straight is to simply live with a generous heart. And then we'll experience the presence of God in ways that we haven't necessarily experienced it before. Crosswalk, as we end this series, I hope a couple things. I hope, number one, that you have a renewed joy in the Exodus account, seeing God move. I also hope that you rest in it a little bit to recognize the the difficulty that even the children of Israel had in the midst of, of overwhelming miracles to still rearrange their priorities and make sure it was deeply focused on God. And I really hope that you understand maybe more than anything in this series, that God wants to be with you, not in this space, but in this place. So make sure in the tabernacle of your life, you followed directions. You found the right craftsman to build what God wants you to build and that you have allowed space for God to inhabit the sanctuary of your heart. I'm so excited for what's coming up for the rest of the year. There's so many things happening. We're going to keep you posted and keep you knowing what's going on. And I'm looking forward to Easter where we get a chance to be together again. Until then, let's pray together. Lord of mercy, God of grace, Lord, make your presence known in every single one of us, in our homes, in our places of business, in our cars. Lord, be an overwhelming presence in our lives so that we can truly bless the nations, which is what Israel's call really was to be, a blessing to the nations. And Lord, may we follow your instructions and not die in the tedium of what seems hard, but at the same time, Lord, may we take joy in the burden that you've given us to carry, in the, in the weight that you've given us to carry. God, your grace is sufficient for all of us, and it will carry us through everything that we're going through. But as we rearrange our lives today, make your presence known. I pray this in your name, in the name of Jesus. Amen.